Olivia Booth is now live in 99 cents. Sexy, emotional, heart-stopping billionaire romance. Fans of Sylvia Day and Lauren Blakely will love this hot and compelling contemporary romance. My life was perfectly uneventful. Then he showed up and now my life is all levels of screwed up. I'd sworn off men, but a set of shimmery olive green eyes made me forget all of my promises. It's a one-way trip down a rabbit hole of seduction and I'm diving in headfirst. Former dance student Sarah Hart had aspired to grace the stage on Broadway, but a reckless decision forced her to renounce that dream. Years later, while struggling with an ungratifying job and an even more unsatisfying love life, she literally stumbles upon a dangerously sexy stranger who sends her heart and her body into hyperdrive. His touch makes her feel alive again and sparks a desire to rebuild her dance career. But Sarah is still haunted by the demons of her past. One dark lie could cost her everything. Real estate mogul Tom Wright caters to the rich and famous. He lives the life of the perfect bachelor, partying hard and dating the most beautiful woman in Manhattan. But he has one golden rule, no commitments ever. Then he meets sexy Sarah Hart and something about her makes him want to throw the damn rule book out the window. Every time he's near, the blood in his veins pulses with a raging fire he can't contain. But Tom's shadow history is resurfacing, unearthing ghosts he'd rather remain buried. Will this wicked dance be their last? That's Wicked Dance by Libya Booth. Grab it now for 99 cents and in audio. Welcome back to another week of Read Me Romance. I had to swallow my sweet tea really fast and it got stuck <laughs> in my throat. You're, you're here with Alexa Riley, I, also known as Mel. And I'm Leah. Hey. <laughs> Hey, we're here this week with Olivia Booth. She has brought us an audiobook this week, Wicked Embrace. And we're going to get to that in just a little bit and tell you all about her. But before then, I need to, I mean, I'm coming in hot today, okay? So last week I discussed the Filthy Rich American series by Nikki Sloan. And I was sort of on the fence if I was going to read the dad's book or not. And I read it. And Melissa, you need to read it. Just read the one book. Okay. You think I'll like it? It is 100% for you. <sighs> so this is, this book is totally different than the other three. Like you could read it as a standalone. A lot of it would maybe wouldn't make total sense, but you wouldn't, the part that didn't make sense, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Like it is so so it start. Right, let me set it up for you. So it starts off the third. If you've read the Filthy Rich American series by Nikki Sloan, um, I'm gonna spoil a little bit if you haven't. But if you have, um, the end of the third book, the dad goes to jail, and so this book starts off. It's like I think it's three years later, something like that. So he's out of jail, and he like pleaded guilty. He um didn't take go to trial or anything like he was like let's do this let's get a plea bargain i'm guilty i'll go to jail i'll serve my time and so he comes out and he has lost everything like his family he has this big like palatial mansion where all of like his kids lived with him and stuff and they've all moved out like nobody nobody wants to do business with him like anything 
but you know, he's still got like all this money and stuff. So he's just like, it starts off, he's supposed to be meeting with his investor or the guy who invests all his money, like his accountant, basically the one person that manages all his like billions of dollars. And so he's sitting there and he's aggravated because it's like 1208 and he was supposed to be there at 12 o'clock. And he's like, my name might be muddied, but he's like, I'm still McAllister fucking hell. Like, you know, I've still got all this money. Like this guy should be licking my ass because he's making so much off of me. So anyways, he's sitting there and all of a sudden, like this cute blonde girl walks in, young, big boobs, hips, like bubbly, Uh fluffy. She comes in and she sits down across her and she's like, hi, I'm Sophia. (laughs) He's like, get up. (laughs) She's like, you need me. And he's like, who the fuck are you, first of all? And she is such, she's such a good character because she's like funny and bubbly, but she's also a fucking badass. So she comes in and she says, I want to be your assistant. She's, I'm going to help you repair your reputation. He's like, why, why are you doing this? And she said, because some guy, this dude, whatever his name is, is going to write a book about you. It's going to be a tell all. And she said, and I don't want him to do that. I want him to focus a direction on somebody else. And he's like, well, who do you want it on? She's like, I can't tell you. And he's immediately like, well, now I want to know. Yeah. Because he's just the type of person that you can't tell him no to because he's always been like, I got to win at all costs. Yeah. So she's, so ends up like he says, no, she leaves and she's like, you'll hear from me again. So he has all the board members come to his house and they're going to shoot skeet. Like they're going to shoot, you know, the targets that go in the air. So they go on his property and she shows up and she comes in this BMW, like sliding into his driveway and she's got on this tight, like black suit or whatever and like heels, like stilettos and stuff. And she comes and she slings the gun over her arm and he's like, like in a, it's in a case. And he's like, what the fuck are you doing? And she's like, oh, you don't like girls shoot? And he was like, no, they don't like it. And she's like, well, how about this? How about if I win, I get to be your assistant and, and help, you know, repair your reputation? And he was like, sure, sure, sure. So he goes out there and he says, wait, have you ever shot that gun before? And she's like, nope. And he's like, oh, this will be quick and easy. So they get in the golf cart and they're going out to the skeet range. And on the way, she's like pulls out of her bag. She pulls out like sneakers and like gloves and a hat and like all this stuff. Like she's she's getting all of her equipment. He's like, hold up a second. And he looks at the gun and he says it's like a $30,000 like rifle or whatever. She's never shot that gun. I'm That's exactly what it was. And he was like, he realizes he's already made the bet and he's on the way to think he's like, fuck. And so she gets out there and he shoots first. But on the way there, he's telling, he's like, how about some tips? And she's like, sure, tell me some tips. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> like, you know, like just poking him. And so they go out and this is like all in the beginning. So it's just such a good setup because he's going to eat his words. And so they get out there and he misses too. And she gets up there and she's like, like goes in for it, like gets her gun. And all of a sudden she doesn't miss a single one. And he's so fucking mad because he's like, I don't, he's like, I don't do anything. He was like, I will not lose. He's like, I hate to lose more than I hate anything on this earth. He's like, I don't handle it well. That's what he says. I don't handle losing. So he gets mad because he loses and he tells one of the other guys there, he's like, hey, you're going to play her next. And he's like, hell no. He's like, I'm not playing against an Olympian. And he was like, wait a minute. You were in the Olympics? And she's like, twice. (laughs) I mean, Mm -hmm. it was. 
so good. And so, like, that's how it kicks off is, like, he underestimates her immediately. And the rest of the book, he's just eating his words the whole time. Like, because, and she's changing him into, because she's, like, you need to, like, make a friend. He was like, here, I got you. She's like, here, I got you a friend. You're going to make a friend. And he's like, I don't want a friend. And she was like, you need one. And then he ends up making a really good friend. And he's like, oh, I kind of like this. You know, it's like everything she, like, pushes at him, he hates and he pushes against. And she's just like, well, you're going to do this and then you'll like it. And it'll make you a better person. And it does. And he ends up, he's so different than what he is in the other three books. He really does. There is so much redemption in this. And the story is so filthy because he's 55 and she's 26. And so it's just really hot. Like there's, <laughs> there's a lot of tension there that's sexual. And, you know, it's he's very dominant with her and she craves it. And it's just like she has all these daddy issues. So it's really hot. <laughs> it's so filthy. So that's what I'll say. Like it's just as nasty as like the first three books. But there's not like this ick factor while you're reading it because it's not forced on her. She's like begging him for this. And Mm -hmm. so he realizes like he's been bested by her over and over and over again. And it's just, I finished reading it and there's this part at the very end. And this is a big, this is a spoiler. So if you don't want to hear it, just fast forward like a minute. But um, he gets to the end and they're like having sex and he's like, do you want kids? And she's like, what? I mean, I did, but you already have kids. He's like about to be a grandfather. And he's like, well, I'm just telling you right now, if you want kids, I don't have a lot of time. So let's go ahead and get on this. If you want this, we're going to do this. And she's like, well, we have time to think about it. He's like, yeah, but what if I want kids? And it's like all of a sudden he's like, and I was just like, oh my God, I'm melting. (laughs) So it was just, he really is just a totally different person. And he ends up being like such a fucking hero in it. Oh, it's so good. And like, she has all, she has these insecurities about being loved and being wanted. And he's just like, I want you, you know, like it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter if anybody else does. I'm the only person that matters. So I'm the only person you need to care about. But like, it's just so like, his brain is just so funny how it works. Like his word is the final say. And just to see how he, like, grows and changes and realizes, like, and he admits, too, like, and then he said, you know, when he wants a baby, he was like, I wasn't a good father the first time. He said, I wasn't a good parent. And he said, and I want a chance to do that again, and I want to do it with you. And it was just like, oh, my God, I'm swooning over this fucking asshole, like, who was such a piece of shit, but God, like, the, like, Nikki Sloan, man, she wrote the shit out of that book because it really did redeem him totally. Like, it was still the same person and he had all these same qualities that you kind of loved in the first series. And she amplified those in this book while sort of, like, explaining all of yeah. the shit he went through, you know? God, it was so good. Like, I really fucking loved it. So, I would say if you're at all nervous about reading the first three, read this one first. Like, I almost would recommend reading Redemption first because when you go back and read the other three, you'll know that, okay, he's not, he's not always like this. He's just in a really fucking dark place. I mean, he's, he, and he says that. He was like, you know, I lost my wife of 20 years. And he was like, and I thought my soul was done. 
He's like, I thought that was the love of my life and I would never feel again. And he said in in his like next, he has another wife after her. He was like, she was the quick replacement. I never loved her. I never opened my heart up to her. But in this book, like with Sophia, he's like, she really did. Like she broke down all those beers and he was like, and I wasn't dead. I was asleep. And so it was like, she really like woke him up. And so, and he was like, you know, it was night and day from, you know, his previous wife to, he said, this is his, technically his third wife, I guess. But, you know, the, the second wife, he was like, you know, she was just the, the bandaid I put on immediately after my wife died. You know, cause he thought that's what I needed to do. Everybody wanted me to get over it. So, I mean, like I said, I just think I would read the, the redemption first. It was so good. Like, it was definitely my favorite. And then there's another book that's coming out. I think it's this month or next month. The There's a fourth book that's coming out. That's The Brother. And I'm wondering, like, he's, like, this, like, peppy, charismatic, like, ultra charming, like, kind of schmoozy guy. And so I'm wondering, like, if he's just going to get knocked on his ass or if there's, like, this darker side we don't know about. Yeah. So, yeah, so I'm I'm loving that though. I was really excited that I read it. So I would definitely re- I would I would recommend it to you. It's not an audio right right now. She said it's it's with a narrator, but the book's like almost 400 pages. But Damn. I read it in like two days. I I just and that was reading reading like with a physical yeah. book, which I never do. I'm so slow at that. So if I was able to plow through it, it's really easy to read. But it's so well written. Something else I mentioned last week was that movie um, preview of Moxie that's coming out. That I think I sent it to you. The one yeah. about the girl, like the feminist. When is that and, out? It's out March third, I think. I think it's like I March told 3rd my March. husband about it, and he looks up. He's like, "Oh, this looks really good." So it's a book. And oh, I is it really? Yes. One of the lady listeners, I posted, if you're in headquarters, I posted the Netflix uh, trailer of it. And one of the girls was like, yeah, I'm listening to the book. Or she was like, I, yeah, I, she was like, I saw people talking about the book. And I was like, wait a minute. I can't remember what her name is. Lady listener. She was like saying, I was like, hold the fuck up. Why didn't you tell me there was a book on this? And she was <laughs> like, yeah. And it's an audio. And I was like, and it's an audio. And like. So I downloaded the nice. audio and I've been listening to that and I'm, I think I'm about halfway through and it's really, oh my God, like it's shocking me how much of it reminds me of my time in, in high school because it's small town it's everything is focused on football, on the high school football team. Like they're always getting new uniforms, new equipment. Um, they're getting all their dinners for free when they go out to the local restaurant in town. Nobody, none of the players are paying for it. The boosters are like the school is, but the players aren't paying for it. They got like a new jumbotron and stuff. And one of the girls is like, she's like, we're still using the soccer uniforms my mom wore here. And she's like, and I'm not exaggerating. But it's like, that's, everything is focused on that tissue. Like, one of the boys shows up to school and it says, he has a shirt and it says, nice legs, what time do they open? Jesus and he's Christ. sitting, I know, and he's sitting there, and I remember this shit. Do you remember when, um, oh, what were those fucking, like, dirty ass shirts that boys used to wear? It was like the, the Johnson shirts. Do you remember? I don't, you may be too young for that. It was like, every, the shirt, the brand of shirt was called Big Johnson, and it would say something like, something super sexist. And, and then it, you would get in trouble for your spaghetti strap? Fucking A right. That's what this book is. It's like, she's sitting there, and she said they had, like, all the girls were in the room. And, like, the principal comes in, or whoever, the vice principal, whoever the fuck it was, the dude comes in. He makes the girl stand up in front of the class, and he's like, 
I think your shorts are too tight. You're going to need to go. And so they do this thing where they start pulling girls out of class and they make them wear these huge gym shirts and they're like, their school colors are like bright orange. And so all that she was like, I'm looking around the lunchroom at all the girls and basically like, like wearing these orange shirts, like the sea of orange that they're having to wear. She was like, it's basically just shouting their shame because they wore spaghetti straps. Or she said, one of the girls was wearing a scoop neck t-shirt and the guy and the dude or whatever, the principal was like, your outfit's too provocative. And the, and the girl in the book is like, her name's Vivian. She's like, she just got boobs before everybody else. She's got bigger boobs than us. And that's why he's saying her outfit's too sexy. She was wearing a plain t-shirt. Like, she's like, what the fuck? Like, this isn't fair. And so it's like, while I'm listening to this book, I'm getting pissed because I'm like, I remember this fucking shit. Like, it's such a double standard and how the dress code was so arbitrary that there wasn't even like, oh, you can't wear shorts that are this tight or this high or spaghetti straps. And it wasn't even like in detail. She's like, it just says whatever is deemed inappropriate. So they can say anything is inappropriate in order to call you out and make you stand up and embarrass you in front of the whole class and then pull you out. You know, and, and the boy just sits there with his fucking, like, slutty-ass t-shirt on, you know, and nobody says anything. Yeah. So, it's just, like, as I'm listening to it, it's pulling up all these old memories that I have, like, seriously repressed from high school that I'm just, like, fuck, this makes me so angry. Like, I wish I could go back and tell people yes, to fuck off. And be like, fuck you. Yes. And, you know, I remember this one girl I was friends with. Her name was Nikki. And weirdly enough she grew up to be like really into i don't know if it was bdsm but she did like the rope the shabari Mm -hmm. or whatever that is she actually did rope work for a rihanna video the girl in the high school with yeah like that um what was that song the whips and chains excite me that snm so that song that rihanna did my friend nikki did like the rope work for that anyways so when we were in high school, I remember she got so much shit because, like, I think she'd either, like, shaved part of her head or dyed it, like, a weird color. And I remember she had that attitude of, like, fuck you, fuck you, and then fuck all y'all. And I remember saying, like, there's part of this book where Vivian's just, like, if she just put her head down and just wore a baggy shirt, she wouldn't get called out. And I remember having those thoughts, like, just go under the radar. Don't make a scene, like... You know, and, you know, it's all of this shit is coming back and it's popping back up. And it's like, God, how differently I would act right now if like my 40 year old ass was back in high school. And I'd be like, let me tell you where to start on eating my asshole. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I would go on the fuck off on somebody if they told me what I was wearing. But like, you know, there's a part of it, too. My husband and I were talking the other day and we were saying something about school and he was like, and maybe we were talking about this book. I don't remember whatever prompted it. But he was like, oh, yeah, there was this girl, whatever her name was, in high school. And he was like, yeah, she got boobs before everybody else. And he was like, God, people were, like, so mean to her. And I was like, I wonder what that was like. <laughs> I, was like yeah, I think I can identify with her. And he was just like, oh, yeah, you probably got big boobs early, too. I was like, yeah, yeah when I was in, like, eighth grade. <laughs> But yeah, there was, it was just like, I don't think he really put into consideration like what that must have been like for anybody else because he just recalls his own situation, you know, and it's just, 
Oh man, I'm telling you that book Moxie. It's about it's called Moxie, and it's by Jennifer Matthew, and the last name is spelled M A T H E I U. But it is Mel link it in the show notes. I think she's making a note. <laughs> I am making a note right now. But um, yeah, it's just called Moxie, and um, it's in ebook and audio and all that good stuff. But the audio is really, really good. The narrator on it's awesome. She sounds young, but she also like does really good voices when it's other characters. But, um, but yeah, it's just seeing this young woman in this book. I mean, she's a junior in high school and seeing how differently she's viewing the world because she's like this goody goody. Her mom and her grandparents have all like call her like their perfect, like sweet, you know, child or whatever. And she's just like, the more these things keep popping up, it's like the more injustice she sees. There's a new girl that comes to school and the new girl's like, I, she had a feminist group at her old school. And so when she comes to this one, she's like, what the fuck is all this? Not, none of this would have flown in my other school. And everybody just keeps shutting her down. And I think it takes her seeing it from mm-hmm. an outsider's perspective to be like, yeah, this is really fucked up. And the more it happens, the more she's like, I got to do something about it. So Moxie is, if you're not, um, if you're not, uh, if you weren't a teenager in the 80s, you might not remember any of this, but there was this whole riot girl movement of feminism back then, and they would do it through bands and songs and, and all this stuff because this was pre-internet. We didn't have a way to communicate, so these badass bitches would get together, and they would, like, play in bands and, and, and write these awesome songs, and they were super feminist and, and supportive of each other, and it was a whole movement, and they were called the riot girls. Back in the day, they used to have, like, they were they look like newsletters or, like, posters, but they called them, like, zines or something. But they would post them up everywhere, and it would be like, this is our statement, this is our mission, this is what we want to accomplish. And so her mom was a riot girl. And so Vivian finds her mom's box of, like, this old stuff, and she's like, you know what? This is what I'm going to do. So she makes, like, this newsletter, and she calls it Moxie, and she posts it up all over school. And so she starts small. And it just sort of snowballs into more. And so I'm just, I'm loving the shit out of it. It's so good. So I keep thinking, I was like, I want my daughter to listen to this book. But there's part of us that talk about sex and she's a little, she's only 10. So yeah, she's a little young for that. But you should definitely let your daughter listen to it because it's fucking badass. Oh, it's really good. That to her. Yeah, that's awesome. Speaking of, you said you had something about her that you needed to tell me. You oh, said you have a, she, regu- she a revolution. Me. She kind of shocked me the other day. She's been doing really good with her grades. But last semester, like at the beginning of the year, it was like a fight. And every time she'd be like, well, this didn't work. That didn't work. And it was like, oh, my God, she was driving me insane. We'd (laughs) argue for hours. And then towards the end, she actually started getting all of her stuff done. And she did last semester. She came in awesome. And I rewarded her and I showed her. I was like, see, you did all this great stuff. But I'm going to give you all of this. Here's your rewards. But for some reason, this semester, the other day, I heard her dad say, uh, what's up with your grades? And he was like spouting them off. And she comes in like an hour later into my room. And she's like, I go tomorrow to pick up my driver's license or my permit. And I was like, oh, you wouldn't be picking up your permit if Papa knew your, because he was taking her, your grades. Uh huh. And she was like, are you going to tell him? I was like, well, what's going on? Yeah. And so I was like, here we go. And she goes. I don't know. I think I've just been messing around. I'll get it fixed. What? <laughs> Hold on. And I was Hold just on. like, "What have you okay. known about my child?" I was like, <laughs> "I know." I was like, 
like, see, this is the thing. You said that, and I can't yell at you anymore. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing left for me to say. Holy, you, okay. Well, this is the kid it. that you've said for like the past what, like four or five years. You're like, it's always somebody else. It's always somebody else to blame. It's always somebody else's excuse. Like you said I, this for my a son, long time. Yeah, and my son one time got in trouble for like the first time that he's going to be in serious trouble, mm-hmm. and I was like gearing up for a fight, and he came and he's like, I did it. I'm sorry. You should ground me. <laughs> and I was like, I was not prepared for this. I'm used to arguing. Like, yeah. This is how you do it. Because <laughs> I'm done. I don't have. I yeah. I can't yell at you anymore. You know you did something wrong. You're not arguing with me. The point that you didn't do it. Yeah. I was like, this is incredible. I mean, I'm still mad about the grades, but this is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I should reward you for this. <laughs> so are you gonna let her get her permit? She went and got it. This okay. was last week. When she said she's going to, usually when she says she'll get her shit together, she does. Yeah. yeah. So. Oh, my God. You know what? I wonder what my life would have been like had I known to do that instead of argue when I was yeah. younger. Yeah. Wow. Just be like, I'll fix it. I'm sorry. Uh-huh. I got it. My kids are so different, though, because I feel like Lydia would do that. She'd be like. I'm so sorry. It's my fault. I take full responsibility. It was me. But Hallie would just be like, fuck you. What do you got? (laughs) (laughs) You know, like. I remember one time, Isabel got, God, she was saying she didn't do something. I think it was the time she had the fight at the school with the boy. Yeah. And I was like, I didn't know if I believed her or not about part of the story. And I was like, you've done said this so many times. I don't care if it's not true at this point. You're in it. (laughs) don't you come back from that you're in it i don't care if they come up with footage you're in it at this point you done said it too many times yeah yeah (laughs) oh my god oh man my uh my parents came this past weekend and they visited i was so happy because you know, my, like I told, uh, was talking about um, a couple weeks ago, my, my parents are vaccinated now and they don't have to stay at home all the time. So they were able to come see me. And it was the first time in over a year my parents had been in my house. So we were all talking about it. And we were like, we can't remember the last time. My mom was like, I think it was, I think it was Lydia's birthday, which would have been like, you know, the end of or her birthday is the beginning of March. But, um, so last year, so yeah, it was just crazy to think like it's been a year since. I mean, I've only seen them twice in that time in person. I know, like as much as you see your family, could you imagine going a whole year? Yeah, you know? I couldn't. No. I mean, we just we do everything together though. The other day, my dad surprised me. He was like, "He's like, I don't know if I can do this cold." He's like, "We should move to Arizona." <laughs> and I was like, "Are you serious?" And he's like, "Maybe when the kids are done with." high school he's like why not it's just up we would sell the houses and move yeah it's really not that big of a deal and i was like no it's not i guess it is just us <laughs> i know i was gonna say you just put a <laughs> compound in a different location <laughs> they're retired and i can work from anywhere yeah true story why not that's a great idea actually just he's we'll, like i can't we'll... do this cold yeah that being, but to be fair, it gets like negative double digits oh, where you live. Oh, it's bad here this week. Like yesterday, they started construction on my house. I didn't think the construction workers were going to show up yeah. because like okay. I went outside. I want an update because I haven't asked you anything about your house because I was waiting for this. So tell me what's going on with your house. Like, They're just painting. Is, okay. I didn't know if they, have they redone your kitchen and stuff yet? Like, Yeah, they, they, 
they were just they're just doing painting at the moment so they were okay. painting the ceilings and stuff like that and they were taping yeah. everything off and they're painting then the floor's coming up mm-hmm. and then the cabinets are going to be down and the floor put back down so, but it's just been like so. I didn't realize they were coming, and I was like, I can't be around them because the mask. And I was yeah, trying yeah. to go outside, and so I could not tell because it was blowing so much, and it was like negative five out. If the snow was coming from the ground or above, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I can't breathe. But it, they said it's going to be like this for the next two weeks. It's actually going to get worse. We're going to get to negative twenty five wind chill on Valentine's Day. Jesus Christ, that's not real. That's not a real... T- you. Why do you live in a place where that doesn't have real temperatures? Like, I don't understand. Like, yes, I'm with your dad. Move the compound. Let's go tropical. <laughs> I mean, it's been a mild winter, so it was kind of due. Yeah, I was going to say, you're getting snow. all at once, though. Like, the coast gets so much snow, but uh-huh. we get, like, the bitter cold. You get wind, because like you don't have any fucking trees. Too. Yeah, you're, so you're just get, the plane. The wind just goes right across you, and it's like just ice. Like, we'll get alerts that we're not allowed to be outside for more than 15 minutes. Jesus Christ. I went to go get gas, and I forgot. I wasn't paying attention, so I grabbed the metal. I was like, shit! It was like somebody burned me. Oh, I would say no. I can't do that. Like, we have really mild winters, but we have really bad summers. I can't imagine you in the heat of Arizona. I mean, it's a dry heat, but it's still like 110, you know? I had to wait in line outside for something the other day, and all everybody else was, like, jumping. I'm like, I'm freezing. And I was like, I'm okay. And then I realized I run in, like, 25 degrees. I yeah. Like, oh, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> you get used to it. Oh, man. Yeah, my parents came up last weekend. We worked puzzles. It was great. We ate some good food. My dad made prime rib. It, it, that sounded so good when oh you were my talking God. about it. It was so damn good. And then we used the leftover prime rib to make stroganoff the next night. And it was, like, even fucking better. It was so good. But we didn't do dick. Like, we just laid around the house. And my mom and I worked two puzzles. We attempted a third, but it was too hard. So, we just put it back in the box. There was a moment where we were talking. And I just gave her a big hug. And I was like, I'm just so glad you're here. And she was just like, it was really sweet. She said, I don't think I'll ever take this for granted again. Just a weekend to sit and not do anything and just be together. It was just, it was so wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was so awesome. And I'm glad I got to see them. Yeah. My dad, I don't know if I've said it before, but my dad has a nickname for Hallie and he calls her Copperhead. And he says it because she's not only because she's mean as a snake, but that copperheads will chase you. Like, they're mean snakes. Like, most snakes, if you come up on them, they're like, oh, shit, and they run off, and they won't hurt you. But a copperhead's like, fuck you, I'm going to chase you. Yeah. And so that's what his nickname was her, was for her when she was really little. And you know what? She's lived up to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we sold um, Girl Scout cookies in front of the house this weekend in copperhead in true fashion came outside and, and you know we were selling cookies and you know Lydia's so great about it she's so nice you know she's always says thank you thanks for supporting girl scouts like would you like any more you know she's always doing exactly what she needs to hallie comes out there for like four minutes and she's like i'm done and just turns around and walks back inside and i just want to know at what age do i get to do that like do i get to have just that fuck you attitude because she's six and a half 
And I just think like either she's going to get her way the rest of her life or she's going to be fucking miserable. She's not going to put just, up with shit. Do you think? She's not, yeah. It's not a horrible thing to go into life with. I mean, people That's are going to start to chip away at it. So it's good to have a thick one now. Oh, God, I hope so. Jesus. Otherwise, she's going to burn this damn house down. Oh, she'll come live with you then. (laughs) (laughs) She can eat Peyton alive. I know, right? (laughs) All right, so let's talk about Olivia Booth and what we have going on this week. So this book that she's brought us is an audiobook teaser of Wicked Embrace. You're going to get, I think it's four chapters. Is it two today and two? I think, I can't remember how we broke it down if it's one and one. Whatever it is, you're going to get a teaser. It's already available in audiobooks, so you can go grab it. We will have more brand new audiobooks starting again next week, but for this week, we are just going to do the audiobook teaser. So I'll read you her book bio just so you guys know a little bit more about her. Uh, it says, Real love as it is, messy, complicated, and sinfully addictive. Olivia Booth is the author of the seductive and emotional contemporary romance duet. Chronicles of a Dancing Heart, Wicked Dance, and Wicked Embrace. She enjoys crafting novels with deep, layered plots because it's not just about the first kiss and the happily ever after, it's about everything in between. In addition to writing contemporary romance, Booth also ventures in romantic expense, paranormal, and adult fantasy. When not locked away in her writing tower at the wee hours of the night, Olivia manages working nine-to-five job and wrangling a pack of alphas, a husband, three boys, and a doggo named Hunter. On occasion, she summons her tribe for a night of wine and shenanigans. Follow her on Book and Main for excerpts and bonus material on all her upcoming projects. She's everywhere on social media, and you can find her at Olivia Booth, that's B-O-O-T-H-E dot com. So, I'm I'm astounded that she's able to work full-time still. Mm-hmm. I ever remember those days, and when mm-hmm. I hear that a, a writer is working full-time, I just think those, those are the hardest days. Those yeah. are the toughest ones, but... In a way, you almost feel like you got more accomplished because you have built this full-time job yeah. and your job as a mom and your job writing, like, so much more. But, I mean, just good for you, Olivia. That's incredible. So, this week, like I said, um, it's Wicked Embrace, Chronicles of a Dancing Heart, which is book two in the Wicked Dance series. So, you're going to hear the audiobook teaser of book two. Book one is already out, available. Um, it's got audio on it as well, which I love that she was like, immediately I'm going to drop a book and it's going to have audio with it. So on um, today's audiobook teaser, Wicked Embrace, this is the book bio. Passionate, seductive, suspenseful, suspenseful billionaire romance can be enjoyed as a standalone. But if you want the full Wicked experience, pick up Wicked Dance and wait to find out and find out how Tom and Sarah's whirlwind romance begins. I want one thing to never fall in love again. But the universe had other plans. One look into Tom Wright's all the green eyes, and I feel, cr- and I fell, and I free fell crazy in love with the one man destined to break my heart. I know because I've yet to learn my lesson. The past never dies, and mine is ready to rear its ugly head. The question is, will I be strong enough to survive the fallout? She wasn't supposed to happen. I vowed to never let anyone in. But with one curve of her lips, Sarah Hart bulldozed through my heart. I'm happier than I've ever been, yet scared as hell at how much I love her. Despite my best intentions, I have been 100% honest. My biggest torment still lurks within, threatening to unwind the strings holding us together. And if I lose her now, it might as well be the end of mine. 
So that's the book bio for today's. I know you're about to read or about to listen to. (laughs) I know it sounds really amazing. She has a book that's coming out on February 16th. It's called Eternally Yours. It's Vampire Paranormal. Oh, yeah, this is today. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So it's actually a vampire uh, paranormal romance. So, which and I it looks like it's in Kindle Unlimited. Yes. Yes, it is. I, I added that on here. So that's great. So, yeah, we're going to listen to the first installment of that. I guess we'll see you guys on the other side. My BFD by Barbara Campbell is live now in Kindle Unlimited and only 99 cents. The selection of eligible bachelors in a small town was limited but best friends were even harder to come by. Chastity. People say that you can tell a lot about a person by their name. Their assumption about me would only be partially incorrect. A shy nature and lack of experience played into my name perfectly. My thoughts and who they were directed at were a different story. My best friend and I had been inseparable through our childhood and teens. We did everything together, celebrating triumphs and consoled failures and shared our deepest secrets except for one. Stupid Cupid had struck me with an arrow for the worst possible person on the planet, her dad. I'd known Rhett my entire life, but something had happened last Valentine's Day, and I suddenly viewed him as the strong, confident, sexual being he was. And I'd suffered for an entire year trying to mentally stick him back into the untouchable dad category. With another Valentine's Day around the corner, my best friend had left our small town for the big city she'd always dreamed of, and I was finding it harder and harder to get her dad off my mind. Rhett. Single dad life was tough, but I'd successfully raised my daughter into a confident adult who was ready to live the life she dreamed of, and that was far away from our small town. What I hadn't anticipated was her sweet and innocent best friend blossoming to an incredibly beautiful young adult. So when I found myself falling for her, I was biding my time for her to move away like all the other teens did when they graduated. But she had other plans. With Valentine's Day fast approaching, I was finding it impossible to resist the intelligent, demure, gorgeous woman Chastity had become. After catching her staring at me, I was certain I wanted to be the man to help her prove that names didn't define a person. Stupid Cupid strikes again in a collection of opposites attract, steamy sweet Valentine's Day love stories from your favorite romance authors in the real life town of Virginville, Pennsylvania, and see how Cupid's couples go from oh no to oh yeah. That's my BFD by Barbara Campbell, live now in Kindle Unlimited and only 99 cents. Wicked Embrace, Chronicles of a Dancing Heart, Book 2, written by Olivia Booth. Narrated by Kelsey Navarro and Tim Page. Chapter 1 My Little Secret Sarah Your skin smells so good, baby. Tom whispered in my ear, his breath stirring me awake, the kisses he feathered over my neck sending sweet shivers down my spine. I sighed and moaned with delight as I stretched under the cool covers of his bed, the warm rays of the August sun shining brightly through the windows of his posh Hoboken apartment. We never bothered to close the blinds before going to bed, and I reveled, smiling at the beauty of the view outside his bedroom. Across the Hudson River, the New York City skyline glimmered under the buttery yellow light of the sun. And your lips feel divine, I murmured nestling my back into his naked chest as he wrapped his arm tighter around my waist. I like being woken up like this. I felt his lips stretch into a smile on my skin as he pressed me against his body, 
his erection a hard ridge on my backside. Dear heavens, would I ever get tired of this? Of him? Snaking his hand up my chest, he began to play with my nipples as he nibbled my ear, his expert touch making a rumble of pleasure vibrate through my body. Nope, I'd never get tired of this. Ever since the debacle at the dance company eight weeks ago, we'd been inseparable, spending more time naked in bed than anywhere else. And Tom was a ravenous beast, unable to go without his daily fix. But more than needing to satisfy his own desires, he was obsessed with my pleasure, unwilling to let me rest unless I orgasmed multiple times. And I couldn't get enough of his chiseled body, or the way he moved inside me without restraint, the searing heat in his eyes claiming every ounce of me. Someone's happy, I said, arching my back, my invitation clear, and hungry. He growled as he took his hand from my chest and grabbed my chin in his fingers. Missing his touch, my nipples tingled in protest as he turned my mouth toward his, I pursed my lips closed, denying him the kiss. With the comfort of spending almost every day with him came the truth of life's not-so-sexy realities. Morning Nookie had a no-kissing clause. His megawatt smile spread a mile wide, and he said, Aw, baby, your dragon breath is not that bad this morning. My eyes bulged at his confirmation, and he burst into laughter. Even though we'd known each other for three months, I wasn't accustomed to the reality my breath didn't smell like flowers in the morning. It mortified me. He was Thomas Wright, CEO of Wright and Thompson Luxury and Commercial Real Estate, a man who not only exuded power, but was drop-dead gorgeous and a magician in bed. I dubbed him Mr. Panty Dropper. And some days... I worried this fairy tale would end. The man who had mystified me that day at the coffee house when I first saw him, the man I'd stalked for days trying to figure out how he captivated me, the man who had somehow found the key and opened the door to my heart, woke up next to me nearly every day. It was, indeed, a dream come true. But happiness couldn't last forever, and the thought always found ways to shadow my light. Climbing on top of me and caging me in his arms, his wolfish intentions made my troubling thoughts whisk away. His massive six-foot-four frame extended down over my body, chest muscles rippling and biceps flexing as he held himself up above me, he said. If you don't want me to kiss you, I can find other places for my lips to explore. A wicked smile pulled on the corners of his lips, his green eyes twinkling with mischief. My thighs clenched in anticipation of what that savage mouth of his could do to my sex. There was no reason to utter my approval. Tom knew he was my weakness. His pleasurable torture began with a tantalizing cascade of kisses on my neck, each touch of his lips setting my skin ablaze. My nipples hardened and my breath quickened as he glided down my chest and over my abdomen, lavishing every inch of my flesh with his mouth. I trembled when his lips traveled over my hips, 
his tongue licking the insides of my thighs. We'd spent all night making love, as well as countless other nights. Yet every time he touched me, it felt as scorching hot as the first time we'd been together. Spreading my legs for him, I readied myself for another mind-blowing orgasm. But before his tongue could do its magic, a sickening feeling curdled in my stomach. Oh God, not again. Overtaken with nausea, I pushed away from him and hastened to the bathroom, a hand over my mouth. Sarah? Tom called after me, but I didn't have time to answer him. Shutting the bathroom door behind me, I leaned over the toilet and dry heaved until my abdominal muscles ached and nothing but bile came out. This can't be happening again. After washing my mouth and wiping the sweat beaded on my forehead, I closed the toilet lid and sat there naked. The thought chasing me for the last couple of days gnawed at me again, snuffing out the sexual fire Tom had kindled. It had been almost two weeks since I'd missed my period. At first, pregnancy didn't cross my mind. Ever since Tom and I decided to make things official, I'd gone on the pill. When my breasts started to feel tender, I thought my body had been off. Confident my period would come soon, I tucked my worries away. Then the nausea began three days ago. That's when true worry seeped into my bones. I called my best friend Jen, and she convinced me to take a pregnancy test. Apprehensive, but knowing I needed to do it, I agreed to go to the pharmacy. Aside from the one reckless time in Santa Monica when we first started dating, Tom and I hadn't had unprotected sex. How could I be the 1% who got pregnant on the pill? I couldn't believe my luck. Seemed the universe could never stop screwing with my life. I couldn't go through with it, though. The test still lay unopened and buried at the bottom of my handbag. I'd hoped all I needed was more time. That perhaps my period would come by the end of the week. Jen said taking the test would give me peace of mind. But the thought of taking the test gave me more anxiety. Too scared to confirm my fears. I did everything possible not to think about it, including planning a memorable night out with Tom. Last night, he'd been a tonic to my ailing heart and troubled mind. And this morning, I'd woken up in a gooey, happy, sappy haze, worry-free. Until the sick feeling rumbling inside me made me remember. Shivering in the cold bathroom, I held myself tight as the twisting despair churned in my brain. An unplanned pregnancy wasn't even the crux of my problems. When I quit my job at the Rebecca Fitzgerald Dance Company eight weeks ago, I never guessed I'd still be looking for work. Alexei Voronov, the head choreographer for the dance company, had stolen my dance revival routine, planning to use it in the company's show without my consent. The prick assaulted me when I confronted him about it. Unfortunately, when Tom handed in my resignation with a fist through Alexei's face, the asshole vowed I'd never find a job with another dance company in the city. He must have kept his promise. Since then, 
I'd been relentless in searching for work and still hadn't received any callbacks. Now my bank account was nearing zero. And without a studio to rehearse in, my plan to revive my dance career was at a complete standstill. I was beginning to lose all hope. My hair was falling out in clumps from all the stress and my mood was in the pits. Now a baby? How could I handle another hurdle? Placing a hand over my belly and unable to hold in my grief any longer, my chest heaved as I broke down in silence. A knock at the door startled me. Sarah, are you okay in there? I, uh, wiping tears from my eyes, I choked on my words. I wanted to confide in Tom, but we'd been dating only three months. We hadn't even discussed the prospects of marriage or having children. I didn't know if he ever wanted to get married for that matter, especially after what happened with his ex-fiancee. And kids? Well, I'd always seen myself having a family one day, but Tom and I were still getting to know each other. I couldn't see us with children, at least not yet. This was all terrible timing. What if he didn't want a baby? Now or ever? Would he leave me if I was pregnant? Would he ask me to? I shook my head, unable to even contemplate the thought. The doorknob jangled. Baby, is everything all right? He asked again. I'm okay, I replied, my voice shaking. Can I come in? He probed, his voice edged with concern. All I wanted was to run and hide, but I couldn't avoid the issue any longer. Tom had every right to know. Taking a deep breath, I stood and took one of the cotton robes hanging on a towel hook, draping it over myself before opening the door. My heart constricted at the sight of him. Tom's golden brown hair was a messy bundle atop his head, and his olive eyes simmered with a deep fire, worry flickering behind the intensity of his gaze. He'd put on sweatpants and a t-shirt, thank goodness. Right now, I needed to stay focused, and a naked Tom was hard to ignore. Still, our previous night spent making love crashed through me like a tidal wave, flames of desire licking up and down my body. I'd kissed every inch of his skin, losing my entire being in worshiping him. I loved him so much my chest ached, and the news I was about to give him could rip him away from me forever. Tom, I said, we need to talk. Welcome back. Hi. If you guys want to keep on listening, you can go ahead and pick up that audio right now. Everything is going to be in the show notes. So if you want the ebook or the audio, you can get it on all platforms. And the first, the other book in the series is actually 99 cents right now. And it too has an audio. That's awesome. Um, yes, yeah, so you got the opening in the first chapter today, and on Thursday, you're going to get chapters two and three. You're going to a little bit more than they'll give you on a normal listen on Amazon. So if you like it and you want to keep going, like Mel said, you can grab the audio now. So tell them what to do, Leah. Fuck your day up. Make say your bitch. Don't be a dick. Bye, guys. Bye. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. Read.
back, relax and unwind and read me romance. Read, read me romance. 